Zechariah's name means what? Oh, God remembers. God remembers. Yeah, well, okay. All right, we're going back and start over again now. All right, before we get into the meat of the message tonight, I have something that I think is here. It's present in this passage, and I hope that it will encourage you, okay? And that is this. Let me take us all back to when we were in school. Some of you may still be there. And um, there, there were times, at least when I was in school, where the teacher would be teaching something, and he would turn or she would turn to us and say, now, how many of you understand what I just wrote on the board? And even if we didn't understand it, none of us were going to admit that we did not know what she was talking about, right? The problem with that is that then we never really understood it, or we had to come back at some point later on down the road and figure it out because what we were going to learn later on was going to be based on that. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes, as Christians, we do the very same thing with the Word of God. Instead of admitting, I don't understand that, and really wrestling with it and, and, and praying for illumination, we'll never get it. Because some things in the Word of God are not going to come near as easily as other things. Some things are going to be right out there for us, like, oh, I get that as soon as I read it. But there are many things in the Word of God that are not going to be as easily accessible to our senses. And we have got to be big enough, if you will, and yet humble enough to say, I don't understand. And the reason I say that is because Zechariah here in this chapter says it three times. You'll notice in verse 4, in verse 11, in verse 12, he asks the question to the one who's giving him this vision, what are these? And he's a prophet of God. I hope that will encourage you. What are these? He, he is not satisfied with not understanding. And he is willing to admit, I don't understand. I need more illumination. That's so important. Let me say this to you as your pastor. I have been a pastor now for 33 years, studying the Bible for almost 50. And yet, every week... There are verses and passages of Scripture that unless I am willing to wrestle with them for a while, unless I am willing to pray for illumination, I'm not going to understand the depth of what is there. And so, I'm encouraging you, be like Zechariah. First of all, be willing to say, I don't understand this. And then be willing to wrestle with it for a while. Because sometimes that's what we have to do. We need to persevere, if you will, with some of these verses and passages. And we need to wrestle with them. And then obviously we need to pray for divine illumination. Because the Holy Spirit ultimately is going to be our teacher. Now with that said, Zechariah chapter 4 is one of my 
also favorite passages in the Old Testament because it shares with us three principles to persevere. Because that's what these people needed right now. They needed to persevere in the work of God. 17 to 20 years they've been back from Babylon in exile. The temple's still not built. The city's still not built. There's so much broken down. Uh, They're getting opposition from outside. Their spiritual lethargy has crept in on the inside. And there's just so much going on here. And the work of the Lord is not getting done. And the place where God wants to meet with His people is not getting done. And so God sends the prophet Zechariah to his people to to stir them, to arouse them, and to build them up and encourage them so that they'll get back to the work and finish it because God has some special things planned for this group of people. So the first thing I want us to notice, and we won't take these in order, there's a specific order that God wanted me to share these principles in. So we're not going to take them in the order that they come in in chapter 4, but we will take the first one. The first principle to persevere, and this is true for us and for the work of God, is to recognize the beauty of the people of God. To recognize the beauty of the people of God. And if you're a people of God, recognize your own beauty before the Lord. Notice in verse 1, the angelic messenger who had been speaking uh, with me returned and woke me. As if I had been asleep. Now, he wasn't actually asleep, but it was almost like he's describing the fact that these visions that he's getting almost put him in like a spiritual stupor. He was just having a hard time sort of clearing his head from the last vision and really, you know, zeroing in on what was getting ready to happen. And so the the angel wanted to make sure that Zechariah uh, was giving him his full attention. And then he asked me, what do you see? And I replied, well, I see this menorah. And that would have been very common to a Jew. It's one of the things that was found in the temple. It's why it's being used here, because it's connected with the building of the temple. But more than that, it's not about the building. It's about the people who occupy it. He said, I saw a menorah of pure gold with a receptacle at the top. And then there's several lamps with 14 pipes going, you know, here and there. And, and then there's these two olive trees beside it, one on the right and the receptacle on the other on the left. And I asked a messenger who spoke with me, what are these? And he replied, don't you know what these are? And I responded, no, sir. No, sir. God is giving the people of God a picture of who they truly are here. By using the menorah, a lamp, a light, that is being fed continually with oil. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. Because God always equates His people in this way throughout the Bible. He told His people, the Jews in Isaiah, you will be a light to the nations. And then he tells us, through Jesus, his son, in the Gospels, you are the light of the world. And then you go all the way to the book of Revelation, and what do you have illustrating the seven churches of Revelation? They are seven lampstands. Light. And what God wants all of us to see is that there's a beauty here because we carry with us a light and a radiance and a brilliance that is not our own. It is God in us. 
reflected through us, you see. And the thing is that even for us, it's not apparent. It's not like people can see necessarily all that is contained within us. I mean, Paul even said, God has given us this treasure of this spiritual life, but he's placed it in earthen vessels or clay jars, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And so even for us, it's like God has placed his spirit and his glory and his light within us, but many times unless we're, you know, really trying to acknowledge it or recognize it. We don't. We don't even see it in ourselves, much less see it in others. And then, those that don't know God, obviously, they're looking at us and go, well, that looks like just a normal human being to me. And not that I'm trying to compare us to Jesus, but just to give you sort of a clear parallel here, that was the same thing with Jesus. When He came and He assumed humanity and took upon Himself flesh, here was the glory of the Son of God, and yet it was veiled in human flesh. So when they looked at Jesus physically, just externally, outwardly, He looked just like any other man. And yet, we all know, oh my goodness, he, He's the glorious Son of God. Yeah. You see. And the same thing can be true with us and how we look at each other even. We, we can be just like they were with Jesus. That even though there's all this light and glory and everything in there, unless we're truly looking at it and, and seeing things from God's perspective, we won't see it. We won't see it in us, and we won't see it in others. And, and Zechariah is being given this message so that he can relay it to the people to say, you are the beautiful people of God and you have the light of God within you. Let's rise up now and let's persevere and let's get this temple built. Let's do the work of God. And by the way, this beauty that God places within us is a beauty that is untouched before God. You see, God doesn't see, you know, all that we see when we're, we're always looking at the, the things that, you know, the deficiencies and the lackings and the flaws and everything. And God is trying to get us to see, you are the beautiful people of God. You are my child. I have placed my spirit within you. I have given you my light and my wisdom and my grace and my strength and all of these things. I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And then Peter goes on to say, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people of his own that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you to himself. I mean, we sometimes... Part of our struggle in the work and the will of God and the things that God asks us to do and accomplish for Him is we forget who we are. We forget who we are. And we forget the beauty, if you will, that God sees when He sees th this great lamp and this light and all that God has placed within us individually. And then as we come together as the people of God, this great lampstand or menorah that, that God sees here with all these different receptacles and stuff going on. And so that's a really important point. You know, God's light through the Spirit of God 
is living in the midst of his people. He's living inside of each of us. And then corporately, he lives inside of us and then lights us all up as this huge lighthouse or lampstand. And that's one of the things that Zechariah needed to tell the people of God so that they would persevere. Say, why was perseverance important? Well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but if you go over to verse 9, notice that this is really what it's all about. It's encouraging, actually, one man more than any other, the king, Zerubbabel, and he's saying, give this message to Zerubbabel that the hands of Zerubbabel that laid the foundation of this temple, his hands will also complete it. You see, it's all about persevering. They started it, but it hasn't been finished yet. And we'll come back to that. So that's the first point. Recognize the beauty of God. Recognize the beauty that you are, the beauty that God has placed within you. And don't judge yourself the way the world or other human beings judge us. Just the same way that they judge Jesus, just by the external. There is more to us than meets the eye. There is more to us than is apparent by the naked eye. There is this life of God. There is God himself through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And we must remember that every day so that we will continue to persevere. The second thing is this. The second principle is actually then in verses 11 through 14. And that principle is to receive the ministry of the servants of God. Recognize the beauty of the people of God and then receive the ministry of the servants of God. He says in verse 11, Next I asked Zechariah, the messenger, what are these two olive trees? That, that really intrigued him. It's like, okay, I, I get the menorah as the people of God because that's sort of always been the, the, uh, the parallel. The, a lampstand, a menorah, that symbolizes the light of God, the people of God. Two olive trees. And they're standing on either side of the menorah. And, and then they, he replies to them, again, what are these two extensions of the olive trees? Well, what they are, they are receptacles that are continually taking the oil, if you will, from the olive branches or the olive trees that are here, and then flowing into the overall menorah to the people of God that it represents emptying it, this golden oil that comes through the two golden pipes. And he replies again, don't you know, verse 13, what these are? And I said, no, sir. So he said, these are the two anointed ones, literally sons of fresh oil or those who have fresh oil who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Now, again, you can't maybe get this easily. But if you study this in the context, the two olive trees, to me, is very clearly the two people that he sing, singled out. I can't say it. Sing, thank you. Out, singled out, in chapters 3 and 4. Joshua, the high priest last week, and Zerubbabel this week, the king. In fact, we know that this message is primarily for Zerubbabel. If you look at verse 7, what are you... You great mountain, because of Zerubbabel, you will become a level plain. And notice in verse 6, Therefore he told me, this, these signify the word of the Lord to who? Zerubbabel. 
So it's to the people of God, but it is also primarily to Zerubbabel to encourage him as the king. And last week we saw that that passage was primarily to encourage encourage Joshua the high priest. That God was defending him before the accusations of Satan and cleansing him and delivering him so that he could stand and perform his duties as the high priest. Two olive trees. And what God is saying, again, through the prophet Zechariah to the people is this. I have specifically called and commissioned these two people to come and play a prominent role in the community of the people of God, in the community of faith. And in order for you to persevere as the people of God, you need to be willing to receive their ministry. I have called them, I have commissioned them, I have equipped them. Now you've got to be receptive to it. In other words, God is saying through Zechariah and even to Zechariah, it does me no good to call people, say, into ministry and into roles within the community of faith and have them, you know, perform their their duty and, and share their gifts and their talents and abilities if the people of God are not willing to receive it because I'm going to build up and strengthen my people through other people of God. And unless the people of God in Zechariah's day are willing to receive the ministry of Joshua the high priest and the king Zerubbabel, then they're not going to be as strong or as productive and be able to accomplish all that God wants for them. They've got to receive the ministry from the servants of God. Let's go to the New Testament for a moment. Jesus, it's it's said of him in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 that when he ascended back to heaven, that he gave the body of Christ, his body, the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, that passage there. So what's the Bible saying? It's saying that God gives gifts which are really other human beings, people, to his body so that he can call and commission and equip them to certain roles so that they in turn can can build up the body and if the people of God will receive it, then they're going to be so much better off. The problem is many times is the people of God are not willing to receive the ministry of God's servants. And even that every person of God is not willing to look at themselves, not just the ones that play maybe a prominent leadership role, but that every one of us as the people of God are a gift from God to His people. Every one of us has been given spiritual gifts and talents and abilities and equipped by God to bless the body. And unless we're willing to use our gifts, talents, and abilities and all of that, And then on the other side, the flip side, unless the people of God that we are with are willing to receive what we have, then we all do not benefit as much as we could. We we don't express the fullness that is within all of us that could be there, you see. Now, I want to just get specific for a moment. I'm going to start with me. God called me to a specific role within the church. And God wants Jeff to be Jeff in order to carry it out. 
Now, that doesn't mean Jeff doesn't grow. That, that is not what that means. But what it means is I don't give up being who I am to, say, accommodate all of the, the people of God and what they want. I've got I've to do my ministry the way God has called me to. And so I say that because we've had people pass through the Oasis and other churches that I've pastored who say, he just gives us too much Bible. So I could have a decision. I could say, well, in order to, in order to accommodate that person over there, I'm going to stop teaching as much Bible as I do. But you understand, that's not how God wants me to operate. God wants me to be me, and then he wants the people of God, who he's called under me, to receive my ministry in order to benefit. And God does the same thing with every one of us. Let me give you one more example tonight. Maybe the most divisive ministry in every local church is the worship ministry. I mean, and why is that? Because as Christians, part of it is, we think that the local church, and, and let's specifically talk about the worship ministry and the worship leader, we're supposed to, to, to like it all. And, and if we don't like it all, then we're going to sit back and we're going to be critical and, and we're going to complain because it's not what I like. It's not my cup of tea. It's not my preference. Uh, let me ask you this question before I go on. Isn't it true that Many times in our lives as human beings, we grow more through the things we don't like than the things that we do. And yet, Christians today, here's, here's what they do. Instead of them allowing God to lead them to a church or a community of faith, they sit back and go, I'm going to go to the church where I like everything where every decision is the way I would do it and where the pastor teaches exactly the way I would want a pastor to teach and the worship leader would pick out all the songs that I like all the time and her style or his style would be exactly in tune with mine and all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of... And, and my point is this. First of all, you'll never find a church where you're going to like everything. And second of all, did, did you and I ever stop to think that maybe, just maybe, God brings in certain people into our life who maybe don't line up with the way we would do it, but maybe God wants us to sit back and receive the ministry that comes through them because maybe it will actually grow us more. Maybe it will actually stretch us more. Maybe it will actually take us out of the comfort zone that we would stay in if everything was just the way we wanted it and liked it. And so I say that because sometimes even around the Oasis, I won't say worship ministry because that's really not fair. Nicole gets complaints and criticisms from people that come to the church about our worship. And I got to tell you, my first response is, first of all, because she's not just my partner in ministry, she's my friend. That, that hurts me too because I know it hurts her. But second of all, I grieve as the pastor of the church because it, it displays again an attitude coming from the people of God that says, 
I want Nicole or any of our worship leader or any of our leaders, Marsha's the women's leader, Woody is the men's leader, Pastor Jeff, I want everything to be the way I want it. And instead of thinking, well, maybe God called Nicole to be the worship leader of this church because he wants me to learn something from her. He wants me to receive something from her. Maybe she would stretch me and get me out of my comfort zone where somebody else maybe wouldn't and that I need to be willing to receive that instead of criticizing or complaining. And that's what Zechariah is saying here. That's what he's being taught by the angelic messenger. That God didn't call these two olive trees that are receiving fresh oil from the Lord and then dispensing it to his people to go, well, I don't like Zerubbabel or Joshua's not my kind of guy, so I'm going to shut off because God whether we like it or not, is taking the oil that represents his spirit and, and equipping and, and resources and stuff, and he's flowing it through the people that he's called and commissioned and equipped. See, they're just, it's not like it starts with us. It doesn't. It actually starts with God. And, and, and that the people of God who are called to especially prominent roles, we're just conduits. We're just trying to empty ourselves so that that oil from God can come through us and actually land on the people of God and benefit them. And that's why the Bible calls them two anointed ones in verse 14. Because it literally means those who are continually getting fresh oil. If we're doing our ministry right, say against, for instance, just using us as an example. If Nicole and I are doing our ministry right with the worship and the word, we're just simply getting fresh oil from God every day and every week. And, and we're just flowing it out to you and saying, here's what we're getting from God. And we're just passing it on. And then that the people of God are benefiting from our ministry. Being built up, being strengthened, growing, stretched. Yeah, but that's all part of our growth. Most of our growth does not come when things are the way we always want them to be and the way we like them. That's why God even allows suffering and trials and all those things into our life. Why? Because God understands that it's more important for us to grow and to mature and to deepen our relationship and our faith in Him than to always have everything within our comfort zone and the way we like it. Can I tell you? God knew exactly what he was doing because this message is a perfect setup for the Holy Spirit series that's coming on Sunday. Because God wants to get us all out of our comfort zones, I'm telling you. These next few months we're in his word. And then finally, the last principle, rest in the supply of the Spirit of God. Rest in in the supply of the Spirit of God. Look at verse 6. Therefore he told me, these signify the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by strength, brawn, and not by power, brains, is one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is, it, it, the word strength here speaks of, of the strength of many. So in other words, not by the resources of the many, and not by the resources of even one which is what the word power means. It's a singular power. The word strength is more a corporate power. But only by my spirit, only by 
The supernatural enablement of God, says the Lord who rules over all. It is always and only by His Spirit. You see, they're, they're stuck in the rebuilding of the temple of God. And God is saying to them, this project is not going to be completed by, you know, you trying to sum up within yourselves all the resources you have as human beings. Because, again, there's lethargy spiritually from within. There's all kinds of opposition and obstacles coming at them. There's the economic crisis that exists in Israel. There's all these different things lining up. And unless they rely and depend totally upon God and His supernatural help and resources, it will never get accomplished. But if they do, if they learn to totally rely and depend upon his spirit, then there will be more than enough to get it all done and get it done exactly the way that God wants. And you and I need to hear that because so often we wake up even every day going, God, I got to face this day and I just got to summon up, uh, uh, you know, more of my own brain and bronze. And, and I got to sum up, uh, summon up within myself, my resources or, or the gathering of other resources. And God is saying, it doesn't matter if you have every human being on the planet and you all come together and you all put in all of your human resources. It will never be enough to accomplish the spiritual goals that I have for you because they can only be accomplished through supernatural means and that is the spirit of God so notice verse 7 what are you you great mountain the great mountain could refer first of all to either a massive undertaking in other words this this temple and and building it is such a massive it overwhelms me you ever been there where God is is giving you a vision of something or asking you to do something you go God this is this is too big I, I can't even wrap my mind around it another way to look at the mountain is it's a mountain of opposition a mountain of obstacles that that sort of stands in the way and notice God is saying if you continue to use my spirit this great mountain is going to become what a level plane it will become manageable through my spirit. Not through your, the resources of many and not through the resources of one, but through my spirit, that mountain can come down. And he will bring forth the temple capstone with shoutings of grace, grace because of this. Because when things are accomplished through us as human beings, we get the glory for it. When God does something that only God can do, then God gets the glory for it. And all we can say as the people of God is it's only been by His grace that it's been done. And I think I told you a long time ago when I started this church that I wanted to be part of something before I died that was so great that God did it. Only God could get the credit for it. Because too often even in local churches, the things that are accomplished, the things that are done, are done by our own human power by what we as human beings can do when we come together. Instead of, instead of really seeing the Spirit of God take us to a whole other level and accomplish things that only God could accomplish through human beings. And that's what God wants for us right now, just as He did for the people of God thousands of years ago. So notice verse 8, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me as follows, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this temple, and his hands will complete it, God said. Then you will know that the Lord who rules over all has sent me to you. You see, if the Spirit of God is leading and in control, we'll finish it. When it's done in our human power, it will not be able to be sustained. 
That's why, you know, this time of year, you know, the calendar turns and everybody's like the whole, you know, New Year's resolutions and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And why it doesn't last? Because it's done in human power and human strength. The resources of many are the resources of one. The only thing that can give us lasting stick to and staying power in our life for the really hard things is the Spirit of God. And God is saying to His people, you stick with my spirit and you'll finish this temple. Then He says this, who dares make light of small beginnings? These seven eyes will joyfully look on the tin tablet, the plans of the temple, in Zerubbabel's hands. These are the eyes of the Lord which constantly range across the whole earth. God is saying, some of you here, you're looking at this and you're thinking this is insignificant. And God is saying, there is nothing small. There is nothing insignificant to me. In fact, he's telling his people, it is most of the time, the small things that we do every day and the things that we may deem insignificant that we do consistently that really make the difference in where we get to in our life. Not the big things. God used Moses' staff. God used a little boy's lunch. God was always using, God used a shepherd boy to stand before a giant. God always said, don't despise what you think is small and insignificant. Some of you may even look at yourself that way. Who am I? What am I? I'm small. No, recognize the beauty of God within you and rest in the supply of the Spirit of God and receive the ministry of the servants of God around you and you will be able, by leaning on the Spirit, to accomplish all that God ever wanted you to accomplish. In the few minutes we have left, turn back with me to the book of Haggai. Just back one book. It's only two chapters. It's right before the book of Zechariah. And I'll end with these words. In verse 14 of chapter 1, first of all, you see where the Spirit of God is at work in Zerubbabel. Haggai and Zechariah were contemporaries. They prophesied at the same time, during the same season of history. So a lot of what Haggai and Zechariah, it's similar, but not exactly. So notice what it says in in Haggai 1.14. So the Lord energized and encouraged Zerubbabel. Son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the whole remnant of the people, they came and worked on the temple of their God, the Lord who rules over all. And this took place on the 24th day of the sixth month of King Darius' second year. I want to take you back to those words, energized and encouraged. That's the Spirit of God at work in Zerubbabel. And God will do the same thing with us. He will energize and encourage us in the work that He's called us to do. Then I want to talk to you for a moment about small beginnings and thinking things that are insignificant. Look at verse 3, beginning at verse 3 in chapter 2. God says through the prophet Haggai, Who among you survivors saw the former splendor of this temple? How does it look to you now? Isn't it nothing by comparison? See, that was the problem. The first temple was glorious. It was big. It was, I mean, it was just wow. I mean, you, you would walk up to it and go, My goodness, this, not so much. There's a message in there. Because I I think even for us as a church, we're going to learn some lessons through even this building project. Because some, not all, but some of our people, even once they get to that new building, they're going to go, well, this isn't quite what I thought. This isn't quite as nice. And 
some of the things even we had at Basha were better than this right now, and we might have to go through a little bit of still more, you know, growth. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. But God says, don't despise the small beginnings. Notice He goes on to say, even so, take heart, verse 4, Zerubbabel. Take heart, Joshua, and all you citizens of the land, says the Lord, and begin to work, for I am with you, says the Lord who rules over all. And do not fear, because I made a promise to your ancestors when they left Egypt, and my spirit even now testifies to you. Moreover, the Lord who rules over all says this, in just a little while, I will once again shake the sky and the earth and the sea and the dry ground. I will also shake up all the nations and they will offer their treasures. Then I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord who rules over all. The silver and the gold will be mine, says the Lord who rules over all. The future splendor of this temple will be greater than that of former times, the Lord who rules over all declares. And in this place, I will give peace. You know what God is saying to his people? The best is yet to come. You may look at that temple and go, it doesn't even compare to the first temple. It's so small. It's so insignificant. It lacks so much. And God is saying, give it time. Give it time. Because in time, there will be greater glory there than there even was in the original temple. God calls His people to His work, to His will. But many times it's not that we don't know what God wants us to do. It's persevering in it. It's enduring in it. And that's exactly where the people of God were right here in Zechariah 4. They were stuck. They were discouraged. And God sends Zechariah with this message. Here's what I want to share with the people of God in order to encourage them. And God is saying the same thing to us here tonight in this cafeteria at Basha High School. The first, recognize the beauty of of the people of God. Second, receive the ministry of the servants of God that He gives to you. Don't reject it. Receive it. And third, rest in the supply of the Spirit of God. It is always and only by His Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank You for encouraging us, for energizing us, for not only calling us and commissioning us, not even just equipping us and giving us the tools that we need to do your work, but giving us the encouragement and the energy to get it done and to finish it, to see it through to its very end, for your glory, not for our own. God, maybe here tonight there's been some people who just needed to hear these words of encouragement. And maybe, God, we can even share these words of encouragement with others. And as you take this message out over podcasts, those who listen to it, may they be encouraged as well. Because, Lord, we know that the work can be hard. There can be mountains of opposition and obstacles. And there can even be such a thing as, is it so, such an overwhelming task that we feel like you've given, God, that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around it. We're just sort of spinning. And God is saying, through my spirit, that great mountain before you is going to become a plain. Trust me. Trust me and rest in the supply of my spirit. God, use this message in all of our lives tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.